This is the Art of Dental Finance and Management podcast brought to you by Art Wiederman, CPA with Ide Bailey. Whether it's taxes and investing or planning wisely, Art is the expert to make your dental practice profitable. At Ide Bailey, what inspires you inspires us. We provide a suite of accounting and advisory services dedicated to the total care of your practice. Visit our website to access our tools and resources tailored for dentists, idebailey.com slash dentist. That's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com slash dentist. This podcast is distributed with the understanding that Art Wiederman, CPA, and Ide Bailey, LLP are not rendering legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Listeners should consult with their business advisors before acting on any of the information or opinions shared. If you have questions and or feedback, make sure to email Art over at awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y dot com. You can also give Art a call at 657-279-3243. Without further delay, here's your host, Dental CPA Art Wiederman. And hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. I am your host. I'm Art Wiederman. I am a dental-specific CPA. I'm located in Southern California, South Orange County to be exact, and I am a dental division director for the CPA firm of Ide Bailey. Uh, We work with about 800 dentists in our firm, about 300 of them in our office in Tustin and Central Orange County. And today's episode is very, very near and dear to my heart. And it's an episode that I've wanted to do for a long time. And I have found the perfect, I mean, perfect person to talk about this subject. My guest today is going to be Dr. Emily Stopper. Dr. Stopper is known as the happy dentist. And so I figured anybody who calls herself the happy dentist has got to be a great interview. So um, I'm very excited to have her on. And our topic today is sleep dentistry. Um, I will uh, share with you a story once I get through some of my announcements and tell you a little more about the topic, but we're going to talk all about sleep dentistry, how Dr. Stopper, who is a practicing dentist in North Carolina, has brought this into her practice and has not only changed her life, but also has changed the lives of many, many dentists across the country in helping them implement uh, sleep dentistry in their practice. So we'll get to Dr. Stopper in a moment. First, I want to let you know. Uh, that you should be looking at our partner's website, which is Decisions in Dentistry Magazine. Uh, We're working very closely with Lorraine Kent and her team. They have amazing clinical content, 140 CE courses that you can access for one very, very reasonable price. Uh, Go to www.decisionsindentistry.com. We are also doing a year-long series, a business series, called The Business of Dentistry for Six Local Dental Societies in Southern California. Uh, They are the second Wednesday of every month. So we're about, you know, we're recording here in um, mid-May. So June, July, we've got some great folks. We've got Gary Takis coming up. We've got Mark Johnson talking about student loans. We've got uh, Rachel Wall from uh, also from the Carolinas, uh, who's a dear friend of mine. And she's going to be talking about hygiene. So we got all these folks coming up. Go to our website at www.idebailey.com and uh, backslash forward slash dental series. 
and or just email me at a Wiederman, W I E D E R M A N, at Ide Bailey, E I D E B A I L L Y dot com. And I'll get you all of the information and we'll get you registered for these for these webinars. Um, also, folks, if you have had a greater than 50% reduction in your collections from your practice back in the pandemic, I, I I'm happy to say that we're starting to be able to say back in the pandemic. We're very, very pleased that hopefully life is moving forward. But back in the second quarter of 2020, if you had a greater than 50% reduction in your revenues and your collections net of patient refunds, and you filed uh, and you got a PP, whether you got a PPP loan or not, and most of you did, uh, you are eligible for something called the Employee Retention Tax Credit. We have dozens and dozens and dozens of dentists that we are doing this consulting for at I Bailey. We are averaging about forty to sixty thousand dollars in a federal free tax free tax credit, perfectly legal. I don't do anything illegal or fattening on this podcast, folks. Uh, I've been spending my whole life, Will, for the next three months on this. Most of you will have to, if you have not already, file for your PPP forgiveness by, for most of you, it's going to be as early as the 1st of August. And for many of you, it'll be during the month of August. Some will run into September. It's 24 weeks after you get your loan. And then 10 months after that is the limit. And even if you have filed for your SBA forgiveness for your first loan, we can still get you this credit. So email me, uh, awiederman at idbailey.com or call me at the office 657-279-3243 uh, for that. And if you're not working with a dental-specific CPA, uh, I'm a founding member of the Academy of Dental CPAs, 24 CPA firms across the United States that represent about 10,000 dentists. We have about 800 at Ide Bailey. And um, you should be working with one on all of this stuff. I mean, we just got through the March, uh, the May 17th tax line. So many of them are taking a breather right now, but we're here to help. And if you're not working with a dental CPA, there are so many benefits of doing so. Be sure to check out our new I'd Bailey podcast, Ebb and Flow, a business podcast providing inspired insight on issues and trends the middle market faces. Hear unique business stories, get answers to frequently asked and unasked questions, and understand business topics that matter to you. Available now on your favorite podcast platform. Okay, so now I want to get to my wonderful guest, Dr. Emily Stopper. But first, I'm going to tell you a personal story, uh, which I may or may not have told, and some of you have heard it. If you uh, if you have, don't turn the podcast off. Just you know, take a breath or um, you know, check your emails or something like that. So about 15 years ago, and I'm 60, I'll be 62 in, um, in August, um, I went to my dentist, and I'll mention him by name. He's a wonderful, wonderful man, Dr. Scott Weston, Mission, Mission Viejo, um, California. And um, he, he asked me, you know, he's going through the health history. And he says, so Art, how, how's your health? Well, I'm pretty good. How are you sleeping? I'm thinking, why is a dentist asking me, how am I sleeping? And I said, well, to be honest with you, Dr. West, I'm, I'm really not sleeping very well. I'm, I, I feel like I'm snoring. My wife tells me, and you all know I talk about my wife. Uh, see, since Dr. Stopper's from North Carolina, I can say y'all, y'all. I get, Or is that Louisiana? I don't know. We'll figure it out. But anyway, so my, my wife is telling me I'm snoring, and I just, I'm tired during the day. And he says, well, let's get you checked for sleep apnea. And and I swear to you, and now I was a dental CPA back then for over 20 years, and, and there wasn't a lot of conversation about it. 
And I said, sleep what, Nia? What are you talking about? So I went to a sleep center down the road. Went to. They said, you got to stay overnight. They hooked me up with some, some you know, connectors and stuff. I go to sleep. 15 minutes later, it's like there's an ambulance. There's a 911. They come running in. And the next morning, the doctor says, you have severe sleep apnea. And he was explaining to me, and Dr. Stopper will obviously be able to do this much better than I will, that on a scale of 1 to 15, I was about a 13 and a half or a 14. So they said, you have choices, and we'll talk about those choices. And I ended up on a CPAP machine, and it was hard. It is not something that I enjoyed, but uh, I will tell you, Dr. West saved my life. I guarantee you he did. And, uh, I mean, you, you look at things. I'm a big football fan, folks. Um, you've heard of Reggie White. Reggie White is in the Hall of Fame for the Green Bay Packers. He died at the age of 41 or 42 in his sleep from sleep apnea. Um, and my understanding is that there's 40 million people in this country that have this and 60 million that have sleep issues. So enough about me. I am a passionate person about this. I have many clients who have embraced this in their practice, but I have a national expert that you're going to hear from now for the next, you know, 45 minutes to an hour. I want to talk about that. So Dr. Emily Stopper, the happy dentist, welcome to the art of dental finance and management. Thank you. I'm honored to be on your podcast. Thank you, Art. Well, you're sweet. And um, so let's just be clear up front, folks. Uh, Dr. Stopper is a uh, practicing dentist. She's been practicing for 14 years in West Jefferson, North Carolina. So in the pre-interview, I asked her, I said, uh, Blue Devil or Tar Heel? And she said, absolutely, North Carolina Tar Heel. So we will honor that. Um, I'm a a USC uh, fan, and that's not South Carolina. I can tell you that. That's (laughs) University of Southern California. But uh, now, interestingly enough, Dr. Stopper, uh, again, she's got a practice. Uh, it is limited to sleep apnea, um, a sleep dentistry. And she has, would you tell me, like 17 folks that work with you in uh, West Jefferson? Yeah. So I have a, I have my general practice. Um, I have other associates who work and do the general dentistry. I've been able to niche down myself um, to sleep apnea just two days a week. Yeah. And we're going to talk about that for many of you who, who would like to specialize and have a passion for this. Um, so now Dr. Stopper, my understanding is that you have four children under the age of eight. So you get a medal right out of the gate. I raised two and I have gray hair and you don't, I can (laughs) see you on the, on the call. Um, and, and I understand you homeschool them. So how did that, I, I guess it didn't really affect you during the pandemic. How is it? homeschooling kids. How does that work? Yeah. So yeah, ironically, during the pandemic, we were not nearly as affected as many people across the country. Um, my kids were like, okay, I guess the pandemic is normal for us. <laughs> so they, they were used to being at home most of the time. And uh, uh, yeah, homeschooling is interesting. It's been an adventure and fun and chaotic at times, but um, still fulfilling, rewarding. Well, it, it's obvious. I, I know a lot. I know people who do homeschool school their children and they put so much time and effort into it and it's wonderful and, and God bless you for raising four children. And I'm, uh, it's a little, a little early to see if there's any dentists in the front because the oldest one is <laughs> right. eight, but you never know. So, well, listen, why don't you tell us, uh, let's start off. Tell us about your journey. Tell us, you know, you went to, den- you, you went to Wake Forest undergrad, you went to University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill Dental School. Uh, tell us about your journey. Yeah. So, uh, and my dad is a dentist. Uh, so yeah, he graduated in 76 from UNC Chapel Hill. And, um, it's funny because I didn't really want to be a dentist until I was about 18. It was right around the time I was graduating from high school. And I thought, huh, you know, 
my dad's not had such a hard, <laughs> a hard life with, you know, with dentistry, it's been good to our family. Um, and so I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this is a good career choice. So um, started down that path, you know, pre-dental, even in Wake, at Wake Forest, and, uh, and then just, you know, kept on that journey um, from there. But, um, you know, and, and sleep apnea was not something I was aware of until after I graduated from dental school, several years after. Um, so really, my, my journey with the sleep apnea part came after uh, years of practicing, um, you know, alongside my dad. I was, I've been fortunate enough, he's still practicing a couple of days a week, even, in, um, in, in, in the practice that you're in? I, yep. Yep. We share the practice. Wow. Yeah, that's wonderful. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's been really cool to get to work with my dad and, um, you know, he's been a great mentor to me. And, um, so yeah, that's been, that's been fantastic, but it was, uh, you know, and having four children, you know, after having, uh, my third back in 2016, um, I started thinking about, you know, I really want to spend more time with my kids. And I, I felt like I wasn't, you know, I was missing out on certain things with the kids. So, you know, I didn't want to miss out on milestones. My, you know, my, my youngest was a baby and I thought I, I really want to to step back from the clinical dentistry as much as I'm doing. So, um, so it was that point I started thinking about what were some other, you know, avenues that I had. Um, so I, w- I would say I was not the happy dentist at that point because I felt like I was overworked. I was tired, you know, kind of stressed out. It was it was starting to wear on me about um, even giving, you know, I, I pride myself on being a very gentle dentist. And I, I you know, I'm very empathetic with my patients. And I, you know, I, I, it's almost like I feel their pain. I don't want them to be stressed or have anxiety. And uh, and I just try to be, you know, as kind as I can. Um, and it was wearing on me, though, to, to be so, you know, um, I, I don't know exactly what the word is. I was just I was I was feeling the the stress from working all day and then trying to come come home to the kids. And I, I just wasn't feeling like I was um, getting to enjoy my family life as much as I would like to. So. Um, so, yeah, I started looking at different avenues, even for income at that point and started looking at even trading stock options and maybe getting out of the general dentistry myself and thinking about um, hiring other dentists to work in the practice. And uh, so anyway, at that point, I was not the happy dentist, but something interesting happened. I, I didn't get to just kind of take myself out of the general dentistry. We um, we had some hiccups in the road where I couldn't get a dentist that would uh, consistently work uh, in, as an associate. So I had to go back into the office and, and work more than I wanted to work. Um, and the stock market and options were not panning out like I wanted them to. So it was, you know, back, back chair side, um, doing what I knew best to do. Um, but then my mother-in-law came to visit and, uh, she normally would not stay with us. So this was kind of an unusual thing for her to stay with us. My father-in-law had passed away. Um, and so this particular visit, she stayed on our couch and slept. Um, I was not very familiar with sleep apnea. I knew she had sleep apnea. Um, but I, you know, other than that, I, I was not familiar with even what a CPAP looked like, quite honestly. So, but I knew that she had, she had flown out and she did not bring her CPAP with her. And the first night she was sleeping on the couch, um, I could hear her really loud snoring, you know, the snoring that's like rattle the windows, shake sure. the roof. <laughs> sure. And, uh, and that was, that was her. And, um, this is not, and like, I, I had heard snoring like this before my, my, my dad's dad, my grandpa had, um, just really loud snoring. And as kids, we always kind of laughed about it and just thought it was funny. But, um, you know, I, this particular night I heard my mother-in-law, she would start coughing, she would gasp. 
um, it really scared me. I thought, you know, I was really concerned about her health and I, I just didn't realize how, how severe um, of a situation this was. So it worried me a lot. And I ended up researching what kind of course I could go to to get trained to help her because I knew the CPAP was not something that she was wearing faithfully. It wasn't something that she was, you know, she didn't travel with it. And um, she even said she didn't like the straps, the strap marks that made on her face or, um, you know, the dog was kind of afraid of it. And uh, so <laughs> <laughs> that one, I haven't heard the dog was afraid. Usually I'm afraid of the dog. So, anyway. <laughs> so yeah, she's got a, she's got a, a dog that she's crazy about and she didn't, she wants him to be able to sleep in the room with her and not, you know, not be scared of it. So it was, it was one of those things where it's like, well, I've, I know Dennis can do something about it. I'm going to look into this and see what's possible. So, yeah, that very first night that she stayed with us, that started me on the journey of, you know, just learning about sleep apnea to help her. And um, and then it expanded to me helping other family members and then team members and then, you know, then patients. And then it's just been um, it's been a blessing for for me and my family, for our patients. I just it's really fulfilling because I get to talk to patients every single day that, you know, they're, they're saying their lives are changed and, you know, they weren't, you know, it's not just as bad, like some people just don't sleep well, but then it's a whole other thing if you're not breathing well and you're, you know, you're, you're tossing and turning all through the night and you're exhausted all, all day and your blood pressure's out of control and um, all these other really severe health problems can stem from sleep apnea, which, is so underdiagnosed and most people have no idea they have it. So that's where I'm really passionate about helping, helping dentists, just like your dentist did. I mean, that's awesome that Dr. West, you know, even mentioned that to you. Um, because if even just, you know, making it, pointing something out or just asking a simple question, you know, about how are you sleeping or have you ever been screened for sleep apnea? It's, it's those questions that can spur on a conversation you had no idea would even, yeah. you know, otherwise you would, you know, otherwise most people, just like you said, wouldn't know that their dentist could help them or wouldn't know what sleep apnea is in a lot of cases. Absolutely. So, so I, I, I saw the happy dentist and I, I, I see, actually you're an Instagram friend of mine. And so I see your posts and all this stuff. Yeah. Um, after listening to you now for a couple minutes and talking to you before, I would have thought that with everything you got going on, you are you would call yourself the bat crazy dentist. But how did happy dentist come to be? Yeah, so um, like I said before, I was I was kind of miserable when I was just you know in the office four days a week, um, feeling like I was constantly on that treadmill and um, just not you know it's hard when you hear patients say I hate the dentist or I hate coming to the dentist. Like it's it's not people's favorite place to be and. Um, and then it's hard on your neck and your back. And I was, I was seeing the chiropractor every other week. Um, and, you know, it was just taking a toll on me, just like physically, emotionally, wanting to, wanting to be that, that mom could be, that could be home with her kids more too. So um, at that point, I was not the happy dentist. But whenever I found sleep apnea and how I could truly impact people's lives in a whole new way. And, um, you know, now I get time to sit with my patients, which is so cool to be able to hear their stories and, and hear how they are impacted by not sleeping well or not feeling well. And then, you know, within, within just a few weeks, we can see a change in how they feel. And it's almost like, it's almost like a 180 with some of these patients. Like I remember this one, this one man, his ear, nose and throat doctor referred him to us and 
and he was grumpy. You know, he's really grouchy with everyone at the front desk. He even came in. We did our consultation for him. And, um, you know, we talked about the the dental appliances and how we could help. And he was still very skeptical. And he was like, well, I don't even know why I'm here. And so I don't even know why he followed through with the, the appliance, except for the ear, nose and throat doctor had referred him and recommended it. But he did. And within three weeks, he came back and he was like a totally different person. He was he apologized for how he had acted previously. He said, I'm so sorry. He's, he said, I just feel so much better now. I've never, I've never slept well. And all of a sudden I'm, I'm feeling better. I mean, it, it just, it was amazing how, how different, you know, this, this person who just three weeks before <laughs> was just kind of angry. And then all of a sudden he's this very pleasant person. He wrote us a wonderful testimonial. You know, he even travels from 45 minutes away to come see us and started becoming a dental patient and, um, so it's just really cool to see how you can impact people's lives. So that's that's really where the happy dentist comes from. I can practice, you know, on my own terms, couple of days a week, see my ideal patients, and kind of get the best of both worlds. I, I I love the name. So let's get into the conversation. So let's start off. Give us a thirty-five thousand foot overview of sleep issues, sleep apnea. Kind of, you know, what what is it? And, and and how do you as a how do you recommend because obviously we're going to talk about the fact that you not only are in your own practice but you also do consulting to other dentists you've worked with some of our clients and they love you so um, you know we're going to talk about that but talk about just for for dentists that have just like well it's just not something I want to get into and it's not good and that mm-hmm. talk about the actual affliction. And, 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 you know, what it is and how it works. Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, there's different types of sleep disorders. So what we're focusing on is obstructive sleep apnea. So when I explain it to my patients, I'm really explaining that there's a physical obstruction that's keeping them from sleeping um, or from breathing well throughout the night. Um, you know, and this is, it could be the tongue falling back and blocking the airway. Um, it could be the collapsibility of the airway. Um, you know, it doesn't help that we're laying down. And of course, gravity is having its effect. But but basically, you know, an apnea is when someone stops breathing um, for at least 10 seconds at a time. And um, if this is happening over and over and over again throughout the night, um, you know, obviously it's not a restful night. It's hard on the heart. It's hard on the whole body. You know, every cell in the body is going to be affected by that lack of oxygen. Um, you know, it's not uncommon for me to see sleep tests come back and someone's dropped below 80 percent um, in oxygen saturations. So, um, you know, it's a very dangerous, uh, destructive disorder that sometimes people have for years before they even realize they have it. Um, some people just blow it off as snoring, you know, but snoring's not necessarily something that's just this benign thing. It's that, you know, it can be an alert to the body that something is is not right, you know, that there there's some kind of obstruction keeping that airway from being open. So so anyway, as dentists, we have that frontline view of the airway every single day. Um, our hygiene team, they're constantly looking at people's airways. We're looking at people for, you know, same as we're looking at oral cancer um, or looking for oral cancer or signs of for screening for oral cancer. We should also be looking for signs that someone has sleep apnea. And the mouth is a place where all these signs show up um, probably before anywhere else. Um, There's lots of signals or red flags that we can see from someone's health history. So if someone has hypertension, diabetes, um, acid reflux, atrial fibrillation, we should automatically be concerned that sleep apnea could be an issue. And then if you look in their mouth, um, scalloped tongue, um, you know, a, a soft palate that's really 
sometimes you can't even see in these patients' airway when you ask them to open. You can't, there's soft palates so far down their airway or their uvulas hanging down. Um, there's all, all kinds of things that we can just look in and within 30 seconds be able to, to tell this patient could be at risk and, and recommend a sleep test. Now, I, I know from what I know, and please correct me if I'm wrong, in the big picture, there's basically three three major different types of treatment. One is a an actual surgery, one is a CPAP, and the third is a dental appliance. Do I have that right? Yeah. Pretty much. Yeah, yeah. So, so, so you know, just talk briefly about maybe, I mean, because we're going to spend obviously most of the time talking about the dental appliance, but talk about the other I mean, I've heard that this, I've known a couple of people who've had the surgery and it is, the word excruciating comes to my mind that it's it's really painful and not always successful. And then the the CPAP, a lot of people don't take this. So talk a little bit about those two and then we'll get into the dental part of it. Sure. Yeah, sure. So CPAP's probably really considered the gold standard of treatment for sleep apnea, but there there are surgeries and there there are a few different types of surgeries that, that might be um, used to treat someone's sleep apnea. So you know, there's there's something, you know, called the Inspire, where it's basically like a device implanted where it, it can sort of zap the tongue out of the way while someone's sleeping, um, treating the hypoglossal nerve stimulation. Um, there's also a maxillomandibular top surgery where they can go in and, and cut the jaws and, and move the, the mandible forward. Um, that one is very, that would be a very aggressive and extreme surgery to go through. Um you know, so there's there's things like that, or even um, what they call U triple P surgery, where they're going back and and removing the back of the soft palate and taking the uvula out. And Ugh, yeah, terrible. <laughs> sounds pleasant, right? <laughs> as long as they put me to sleep, they can do whatever they want. But uh, you know, well, so. you know, the thing is, I've I've seen quite a few patients now that have had that surgery, and it's only fifty percent effective at best. So that's I'm what I've heard. Seeing, yeah. Yeah. I'm still seeing patients back from those surgeries where they say, yeah, I stopped snoring for maybe a year and then it started again. And, and then we end up treating them with a mandibular advancement device. So, okay. So now I'm a dentist, I'm listening to this podcast and I talk to my patients. I go through health history. I hear this. I've heard about sleep apnea. I've heard about sleep dentistry. I've talked to some of my colleagues and I go, you know, this is because remember folks, in a podcast, you're not going to get a full step-by-step technical explanation of how to do everything. It's not possible. It's not live. What I want this to be for you is a call to action. In other words, if Dr. Stopper can say some things to you today that's going to say, listen, this is an opportunity for me to leave my legacy with my patients. This is an opportunity for me to save lives and improve people's lives for the better. Then that's what we're trying to do here. So, Dr. Stopper, if someone is, you know, the 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 bell went off and listening to this and they said, I want to do this, what's the first step? I've never done this before. How would a dentist, and again, taught you to talk about what a, a dentist provides, the the you know, the all that stuff. We'll get into that. But how would they get started? Sure. Yeah. So, you know, really, like I mentioned earlier, we we are the front line for looking in airways all day long. So screening is just the best way we can, even if you don't want to make uh, appliances for patients, if you can just start screening your patients, it will be tremendous as far as, you know, as, just getting them help and, and pointing them in the right direction. Just asking the simple questions, um, just like your dentist asks you, you know, how are you sleeping? You know, things like, have you ever been screened for sleep apnea? Um you know, are you waking up more than a more than once per night? Just just certain things. Whenever we see those signs in the mouth of people who brooks, 
um, there, that could also mean that someone has sleep apnea. So just noticing those signs, um, you know, if you have patients that are yawning throughout the appointment or um, fall asleep while you're doing dentistry on them. Uh, and again, those just those health history signs, acid reflux, AFib, hypertension, um, diabetes, those, those are the big ones. But so screening, um, just start identifying those patients talking to them a little bit about it. Why are you concerned? Um, you know, what could this mean for their health? Basically, it could mean that they're cutting their life short um, by not breathing well. Uh, studies have shown that even sleep apnea alone, just just if we talk about sleep, if, if someone's not getting seven to eight hours of sleep regularly, then that's that could be cutting their life short. Um, so, so these are big things for, for us to consider and, and looking at the patient's overall health, just pointing them in the right direction. Like the mouth is a window to, to what's going on with the rest of the body. And, um, so basically just that screening, identify the patients that are at risk, uh, educate them on why you're worried about it and then refer them for a sleep test, refer them to their doctor, whoever, you know, you can primary care doctors, um, Companies that do sleep testing, uh, sleep doctors, just get them to someone who can help them facilitate that sleep test uh, to find out. Because that's how that's how someone would be diagnosed ultimately with sleep apnea is if a board certified sleep doctor um, looks at their sleep study. Uh, and it can be an in-home sleep test. Um, they don't even have to go to a lab like you did, Art. They can have a home sleep test and and you know sleep in the comfort of their own home. They can have these days. They can have a telehealth appointment. They don't even have to go to um, you know a physical building to to go speak to a sleep doctor. So so, so let so let's so let's assume you know we, we've done that. We've identified it. We we see we have a lot of patients, and mm-hmm. I'm going to guess one third to one half of the patients are going to have something going on. Uh, maybe a third. So do we, I mean, I know that you're, a, you're, you're involved in the, in the national sleep organization. I want you to talk about that, but are there courses do they take? Do they, it, what kind of equipment do we have to do? I mean, I yeah. want to get started. I want to do this. What's the, st- and, and, and again, I'm going to give you a, in a second to talk a little bit about how you help doctors do this, but what are the steps? What do they do? Do they go buy some, I know that there's a sleep testing uh, equipment you can buy. It's not very expensive. I know that in, in, I mean, it's, you know, a CBCT could be $200,000. It's not anywhere near that. Um, but uh, the question is, is what, what do they do? What courses do they take? What, what's the steps? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you can get started very inexpensively. It's not an expensive thing to get started with. You don't even have to buy a home sleep testing unit. Um, like I said earlier, you can, you can refer out, you can, there's companies that can help facilitate the sleep testing part. Um, you, you do need some way to take a, a bite registration that will have the patient in a, a more protruded position, um, allowing some more, I'm getting more technical here, but <laughs> no, <laughs> dentists like, are listening to this, get technical. Okay. <laughs> so something they like, like that, something like the George gauge or airway metrics. Um, I'm partial to the airway metric system myself. That's what I recommend, um, to be able to, to help you identify where that patient's best airway will probably be. And I, I talked to my patients about, I, I'm going to try to find your ideal airway position, and then we're going to ease you into that position um, through your treatment. So, you know, we're not going to start the patient, um, you know, with their jaw completely forward, where they're completely protruded out. We're going to ease them into that position. Um, so, I mean, it's simple equipment. It's, you know, having bite registration material, uh, the airway metric system, um, you know, and then just 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 following up with those patients and, and having the proper screening tools, which are just questionnaires or 
um, something I call the visual apnea risk assessment tool. I had a graphic designer to just create a something like a simple uh, graphic so that my hygienist can can look in the patient's mouth and within 60 seconds she can you know identify the things that are concerning to her. She takes a dry erase marker, circles the thing on the laminated sheet, and when I come in the room, she's she's already talking to the patient about what she sees as concern. So so. te- she's teeing them up for you. So, okay. right, so let's say we have a patient that isn't a candidate for surgery, isn't a candidate or doesn't want to do a CPAP. And, and now we're to a dental appliance. So let's talk in, in, in overview terms or, or as deep into the weeds as you want to get. Uh, what is it that you provide if, if they're coming to you for an appliance? If, if you send them to a sleep center and they are on CPAP, you don't really have a whole lot of involvement other than checking on them regularly when they come in for their dental appointments. But if you're going to be making the appliance, talk about how that works. What do you do? What do you make? What, what, what is the steps? Sure. Yeah. So, so let's say that they, you know, they, they, maybe we saw them in hygiene. They, they went and got tested, saw the sleep doc, they got diagnosed with sleep apnea, and then they would refer them back to our office for the mandibular advancement device. So at that point, um, if we haven't already done this, I'm going to ask them some more questions about their sleep. I really want to know what our starting point is. What is the patient suffering with? Um, how bad is it? How much, you know, are they tossing and turning all through the night? Is it, has it caused them to sleep in separate rooms from their, from their spouse? You know, what, what is, what are the major pain points that are happening? I, I want to be able to know these things so that I know, you know, how I can best help this patient and what our, what our goals for treatment are. I'm also going to go over the sleep test with the patient because, believe it or not, going over the sleep test with a patient, that they own what's going on whenever they see what those numbers are. If they see... They don't lie. No. Yeah. If the numbers if the numbers show that they're stopping breathing 15 times an hour and their oxygen's dropping down to 77 and their heart rate's going up to 110 and, you know, it's me going over these different aspects of the sleep test, that helps the patient really grasp their what's going on with their own health. And most of the time... Most of the time, 99% of the time, no one's really talked to the patient about what's going on with their sleep. They haven't gone over the sleep test. They might say, you know, oh, you, you need a CPAP or, oh, you have, you do have sleep apnea. Or they might even say it's mild or moderate, but most of the time they haven't gone over the exact numbers. And so I find that that's really beneficial if I just talk to the patient about what's going on with their health and, and then explain how the simple dental device works and you know, we're going to check their insurance. Typically, patients do like to go through their medical insurance. That's a nice benefit of what we can do is we can we can check their medical insurance benefits and we can file it to medical billing. So it's it's not having to go through dental insurance for this. So yeah, we'll talk. I want to get sure. into that in, in, in a little bit. So now, Dr. Stopper, I know. And again, folks, I want to help you. This is going to change your practice. It's going to change your life. It changed my life. And it's changed the lives of a lot of my dentists who have gone into this type of um, subspecialty, if you will. So Dr. Stopper uh, also does um, consulting with dentists across the country. So I want to give you an opportunity to to not only talk about a little bit, you know, you if a dentist is interested in getting into this, you can help them get started and kind of walk them through how it works, right? So, so talk about how you do that. Yeah, absolutely. Well, so... <laughs> When I first got started down the the sleep apnea rabbit hole, as I sometimes refer to it, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, I found that I hit a lot of roadblocks. And 
you know, it was like, well, how do we do the medical billing? And um, how do you pick the right appliance? And um, how do you talk to the patients about this? How, how do you screen them? Like, wh- what are all the steps involved? And so I, I found through even even after attending multiple courses, the courses were great that I went to, but I just felt like there were pieces I still was missing. Um, and then I found, you know, after after figuring out the steps um, to make myself successful with it, I, I talked to more and more dentists who said the same thing. They kept running into roadblocks and then they would give up. They just would would quit and they would stop they would either go to these courses and get excited about it, but come home to their team. Their team just sort of <laughs> is like, okay, no, we're not going to do this. And then no support from the team. So then they give up on it or they hit a hiccup with the medical billing and then they give up on it or um, a variety of things. Of course, life is busy and our dental practices are busy. So there's different things that would would hold hold these doctors up. But my main goal was, you know, if you you have the knowledge. We we have a front row seat to be able to be really instrumental in changing people's lives. So let's let's take the knowledge that we have and actually use it to to help people and you know, and to implement a really great you know stream of revenue uh, service that you can add to your to your practice and to your patients. So so my goal that's why I created I, I call it Implement Apnea Academy. So I'm big on the implementation. I don't want people just to take their knowledge and sit on it or just like okay I know how to do this but I'm not doing anything with it. It's it's the implementation that that's really going to make us successful. So that's what I train dentists on you know specifically is let's take the knowledge that that you have for treating sleep apnea and if they have if they're starting from ground zero that's okay I can help them with that part too. We're going to set up the foundation but ultimately, I want them to put it into practice so that they can help more patients, but also achieve more fulfillment themselves and uh, and really see, you know, the fruit of their their hard work and, and knowledge. So, so Doctor Doctor Stopper, if uh, if if we have a listener who this this rings a bell, and they wanted to have a an introductory conversation with you, there's no problem um, with doing that, right? Absolutely, I'd be happy to. Yes, okay. of course. So. Give give let's give out your uh, your email address and your phone number, and I'm going to note them down so that I can put them in the show notes. Uh, but if you have a question for Doctor Stopper, you you think about getting into this, uh, whether you're going to use her as a consultant or not, she'd be happy to talk to you. Uh, Doctor Stopper, what's a good phone number for them to call? Yes, yeah, so it's eight two eight four zero six three five nine six. Okay, and and what's an email address that we can use? So the best one is going to be Emily E M I L Y at thehappydentist.com. That's easy to remember. Yep. <laughs> okay, sounds good. So we'll put that in the show notes, and um, I I know you have some some resources on your website that they can download some right. videos and stuff, right? Right, right. Yes. Good. If you if they go to thehappydentist.com, um, that's going to be probably the best place to find out more. I do. And I, I will mention, I do have a book coming out. Um, if they want to get on the waiting list for the book, um, it's going to be at www.thehappydentist.com forward slash book. So keep that simple too. <laughs> yeah. Well, we like simple. That's, that's good. So let's talk about the financial aspects, Dr. Stopper, of all of this. I mean, uh, I am required by law as a CPA to talk about money and numbers on this web, <laughs> on this podcast. So uh, I, I see on your website, and we've talked about it a little bit when we before we started the the recording. Is um, this is I mean I I love parts of a business that have like no overhead. So when you make a dental appliance, and we bill medical insurance, we'll talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. Um, 
what I've seen is, I mean, you know, Medicare will pay two thousand dollars, fifteen hundred, twenty five hundred depends. But 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 some insurances will pay three, four, five, six, seven thousand dollars for an appliance, right. and right. and 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 the the overhead there's there's you know the the lab is the the cost of the of of the device, which my understanding is somewhere in the neighborhood of three to six hundred dollars. Is that is that close? That's pretty good. That's a good ballpark. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. But but there's really other than an assistance time, the amount of time to do the work. You don't need to spend 45 minutes in a crown prep here, right? Right. So sure. so talk about financially how this has worked, not only for your practice, but for your clients that you've worked with in consulting. I mean, I, I want to give everybody an incentive. Not only are we saving lives, but folks, there's huge incremental profit in this thing, right? It's the most profitable service that I that I know of that we can do as, as a dentist, the least time consuming, most profitable, lowest overhead. I mean, like I said earlier, there's really not much you need in terms of equipment. You should really have the majority of what you need anyway, because, I mean, simple as bite registration, um, you know, a, a way to take the bite, which, like I mentioned earlier, the airway metric system, I mean, you, you could and, and then really the, the largest part of your overhead is going to be the the lab bill. So, um you know, there's a few other little incidental items that you need. Uh, I will mention that I, I always make what I, I call it a, a morning aligner. There's something called an AM aligner, something that they wear the next day in the morning to get their bite back into its normal position versus being the, the lower jaw being pulled forward throughout the night. But, you know, that can be done very inexpensively as well. So, so yeah, it's, it's, um, the minimal time required and the, the majority of what you need to do or what needs to be done can be done by auxiliary personnel. So the way I practice now, um, I mentioned I do have my dental practice, general dental practice, but I use two ops uh, of that practice. We've got a 10 op practice. Uh, I have one assistant and she does both, um, you know, the scheduling. She takes care of all the admin stuff and the clinical stuff. And uh, it's just she and I that do the sleep apnea. So we work out of two ops. Um, you know, it's, it's, and it's a, it's a relaxing day. It's an enjoyable day. It's a matter of, you know, she can go in and talk to the patient. I can come in and do my exam. She's the one that will go in there and, and handle the majority of the hands-on that needs to be done. So, um, so yeah, it's, it's great as far as not having to be as, you know, technically, uh, it's not as technically cumbersome as some of the things we have to do. So, so I'm, I'm, I'm not going to obviously ask you about your numbers in your practice because that's no, that's your business and nobody else's, but I'm going to, just going to do some math off the top of my head here. So let's say I have a practice with a thousand active patients. Mm -hmm. Would you say it's reasonable that maybe 20% of them might need a sleep appliance, 15%? What, what, what would ballpark just for discussion? Yeah, so ballpark. So statistically, it shows that 20% of our patients have some form of sleep apnea. Now, the, the statistics going to go up if you count the ones who snore and don't have sleep apnea. So 20% right. is a very conservative. That would be good ballpark. So 200 patients. Mm -hmm. So let's say of those 200 patients, maybe half of them need a dental appliance, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So that's 100. So of those 100 patients. Let's say your would, would your average fee for a dental appliance would be what four thousand, three thousand, five. What, what what do you what do you see in your practice? So, so average collections are going to be somewhere between twenty five hundred to three thousand. Okay, so that's three hundred thousand dollars, folks. Mm -hmm. And 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 then I want to talk to you about how do we market this because it's because at some point you're going to 
go through all of your patients and you'll have no other patients or very few that need it, and but you'll they'll dribble in. So how do you market your service? Because uh, the, the good news is that, you know, if you say I do crown and bridge work, well, every dentist in your town in West Jefferson does crown and bridge work. Right. But I do sleep appliances. I, you know, I would assume that there's probably you can count on one hand in your county the number of dentists that that have limited their practice like you have. So how do you market this to the community? This is another really interesting thing I want to learn about. Oh yeah, yeah. And this is kind of this is the fun part too. I mean it there are, you know, there are tons of patients within every, the majority of dentists have a ton of patients in their practice. So, so getting started you know, on your patient base that you already have, um, you you have a tremendous amount of opportunity just within your the walls of your practice. But when you do start thinking about um, more of the marketing and bringing new patients in, um, one of the one of the biggest things that has grown my sleep practice has been reaching out to um, to other healthcare providers. It's not necessarily your sleep doctors. You know, it's uh, ear, nose, and throat doctors, uh, eye doctors, chiropractors, physical therapists. Your your holistic doctors, um, you know, PAs and nurse practitioners are are typically really open-minded to to different alternatives to CPAP. If they have patients who they see struggling with CPAP or who are unwilling to even try CPAP, um, that's been huge just to have the referral uh, sources that have come from me introducing myself and letting them know that we have an option. Because it, it, it's still interesting to me, even after doing this for several years, um, how many people are unaware that this was an option, even medical providers not being aware that it's an option or thinking that somewhere along the line they've been told, oh, well, that's, you know, that's not effective, which is not true. It can be very effective. And, um, you know, it, it's definitely a good alternative if someone can't wear the CPAP, doesn't want to wear the CPAP, mild or moderate sleep apnea. So really, it's just it's getting out there and introducing yourself, introducing um, the fact that you can help patients in a different way, even if you even if you just targeted people who can't wear their CPAP, that's a huge number of people that, that in, need that. In your experience, Dr. Stopper, are we talking about the majority of your patients are under 40, over 40? What's the age distribution? I know I know being overweight is an issue. Um, uh, I, I have been 15, 20 pounds overweight my entire adult life. I fight it every single day. And um uh, you know, but uh, there are people that are a lot heavier than that, and and we don't want to get too deep into that subject. But those people are more prone to having sleep issues, as I understand it. But what's the age distribution? Yeah, that's that's an interesting point too, because I you know there used to be more of that stereotypical. It's going to be an older male, larger neck, overweight um, kind of stereotype. But the and weight weight is a contributing factor for sure, but that doesn't rule out, um, you know, there's young fit females who also struggle with sleep and have sleep apnea, and they're not going to be the people that probably the doctor is going to say, oh, we should do a sleep test, or you might have sleep apnea. You know, they may be more likely to get prescribed a, a sleeping pill, something that's going to help them sleep, which um, could just sort of mask what's going on um, for them, really. So, um, it can be a factor. I would say primarily age range is going to be somewhere um, maybe mid 30s, um, you know, definitely a fair number over 65. Um, but, yeah, it's it can really run run the gamut. I mean, I, I had a 32 year old patient in this week who 
she yawned every moment of our appointment. Um, and you know, it's, she had all the symptoms. I mean, it was, she was a little bit overweight, but it, you know, it, it was, you know, she wasn't obese by any means, but she yawned, she was tired. She um, grinds her teeth. Um, you know, you just never know. It's, it's always important to get those patients sleep tested if, if they have some symptoms that, you know, show that there's, there's cause for concern. So, so go ahead. I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just careful about not just ruling anyone out just by appearance or, you know, I'm, that's why we're going to always look at those health histories and look in the mouth. And then also that patient interview, like what, what is their sleep like? Are they suffering from acid reflux and they're waking up at two o'clock in the morning and, they want to hit the snooze button 10 times before they roll out of bed, <laughs> those things. Yeah, right. Talk, talk about the, I, I know that, and again, get me, correct me if I'm wrong, the American Academy of uh, Sleep Medicine or Dental, what, what, what is the organizations that you're involved in and where are the best places for dentists to take courses? Obviously, you know, if, they, if you call Dr. Stopper, again, I'll give out her, uh, her number again, 828-406-3596. Give her a call. She'll point you in the right direction. But but if, if they want to get online, uh, what organizations are you members of that, that that they can take, you know, beginning courses on to really get into the weeds on this? Sure. Yeah. Yeah. The American Academy of Dental Sleep Medicine is fantastic. They're a wonderful organization. Um, I ha- highly recommend being a member of that. They they have a mastery series um, for anyone who's who's interested in, in going further, you know, down the road of um uh, you know, there's they have a, a certification called uh, being a diplomate, being a, a diplomate of the American Board of, of Dental Sleep Medicine. So, um, so that that's a great place to look as well. Um, you know, I, I do offer help for I, I have my own course where I'm really teaching dentists in online fashion. I, and I have some in-office courses, too. I just don't offer those as often. But if someone just wants to get started, learn, you know, learn why we're looking at sleep, learn how to start doing the sleep, you know, get the team on board. Um, you know, it's really about just, just jumping in there and getting started. There's great courses all across the country. So I, I think there's great options all over. Talk about billing medical insurance. Do you have a medical insurance? I know that you can contract with a medical insurance billing company and they take a percentage of the, of, of the, um, of the case. Uh, some offices do it on their own. I mean, you're, you're obviously in the advanced class. So uh, what do you do in your office and what do you recommend? Yeah, I still use a medical billing company. Um, yeah, and, and I know you know that differences in opinion on on that too. I've I started out using a, a billing company, and then uh, you know we had we did hit some hiccups with the first billing company we used, switched to a different one, and it's it's made a world of difference on on our reimbursements and and how smoothly that's gone. So, um, and, and they don't have to take a percentage either. They you know the one I use offers a, a flat fee, so. Um, and they do offer a little bit of a break if it's if it's Medicare because the reimbursement's typically not as good on on Medicare. So, um, but it's the way I describe it, it. It's like having it's like having another team member. They're just not in your office, but they're still supporting you. And and you know they're they're going to look at those claims and if something gets denied, they're going to appeal it. And you know they're they're working from their end to help help you get paid for for the work you've done and and helping you along the way with the verifying benefits and. Um, so it doesn't have, you know, like I said earlier, that's one of those things that can be a really big roadblock for a lot of offices because they're scared of the medical billing. It is different than dental. Um, but, you know, it, I would just, my advice would be don't let it be something scary that's going to prevent you from doing this. Uh, worst case scenario, someone could offer just a cash fee for this and skip the medical billing altogether if they wanted to. But 
um, I would say for most patients, it's a, a nice perk that they can go through, go through their medical billing to get these services covered. And, and talk about involvement of the dental team. I mean, you how many offices have you consulted with uh, where you've helped them get started on sleep medicine? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I guess we're approaching 100 um, so, offices. So, so you've dealt with all kinds of practices and staffs. Uh, you know, do you do you see the the dental teams being resistant? Oh no, this is just another thing, and we don't have time. Uh, embracing this and saying, "Oh my God, I've been we've been talking to this doctor for for five years about doing this. Thank God you're here." What, what right. do you see? <laughs> you know, what's that- yeah, that's yeah, it's you know, and it's a problem in some offices with with teams being resistant. I, I will say the ones that I've been fortunate enough to work with have, for the most part, they've really been on board and uh, and they've been excited. I even have teams reach out to me to say, hey, will you talk to our doctor? We want to add this to our practice. And um, so that's exciting for me that the team is already excited and wants to wants to implement this um, and is encouraging their dentist to, to get it started in their practice. So, um, you know, our, our teams, uh, they see these things on a daily basis. And if you think about the hygienists, they're, they're constantly looking in these airways and seeing, seeing the patients who, you know, if they have a large tongue, for instance, and they're noticing they're fighting the tongue every time they're trying to clean teeth, um, they want to help their patients. So this is just another way the teams can have more involvement. And I know from my team, they've told me, you know, tons of times just how how much they enjoy getting to be a part of this. And it's really fulfilling to them, too. So for the most part, teams teams just need some direction. You know, I think it's just a matter of not just throwing something at them and, and saying, here, you know, run with it. But giving them give them expectations about how we're going to implement this. And, and, and folks, so you might have noticed the last 14, 15 months we've been in a pandemic. And everything in life has changed. Uh, we're hopeful that it's now coming out. Um, you know, as of <laughs> as of this morning, uh, the city of New York is basically reopening. California is opening June 15th. Most of the states are starting to open. And uh, we've had the lowest number of um, uh, cases of, of COVID-19 since the beginning. Uh, the vaccine is taking shape. And so all the things are pointing in the right direction. And but it's been a challenge. My doctors are back, most of them close to where they were, Dr. Stopra. Um, and and a lot of them are at 80 or 90 percent. But what a great opportunity today. Uh, and again, I, I folks, I get nothing. I don't get anything. Dr. Stopper is not going to pay me any money for having her on this podcast. I have wanted to do this for a long time. I'm very passionate, obviously, from a personal standpoint, but also from a standpoint of what you can do to create your legacy and your practice. I'm repeating myself, folks. You've listened to me for two and a half years. I repeat myself. That's the way it goes. That's what you get with Art Wiederman. But the fact of the matter is, is that this is an opportunity today to start taking a look at this. Yeah. Does it require some work? Yes. Does it require you to change some things in your practice? Yes. Does it require you to get some education and your team get some education and spend some money on this? Yes. But, um, you know, I mean, Dr. Stopper, a dentist could get going in doing this for what, 10, 15, $20,000 maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, and, 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 and if your average case is 3000, that's six or seven cases and you've paid for your education and, and, but you know, again, I mean, how many new patients do you get per month that come to you specifically because you're a sleep dentist. Oh, I mean, we get double digit referrals from different, different, you know, like I said, nurse practitioners, sleep doctors, ENTs, um, and, and really just a few referral sources 
you don't have to have, you know, every single person in your, your community referring to you, but um, word of mouth gets out there. Spouses, like one person gets treated, they, the other one wants to get treated. Um, you know, word travels fast. It's it, it does not take long to to grow a practice whenever you really, you do have to put the time and the effort into it and, uh, you know, be willing to make some changes like you just mentioned, Art, but um, it doesn't take long for this to grow when someone's really focused on it. And, and, and let me think about this too. So if they come into your office and they're not a current um, patient of record, and then you do some stuff, what percentage of those patients become patients of record for general dentistry in your practice? Oh, that's been, it's been a practice grower for sure. And that's not something that I really saw coming at first. Um, that's been really cool to see. Um, now we do, we don't encourage, if they've got a dentist already, I'm not encouraging them to leave their dentist. We let right. them know that we're going to treat the sleep apnea, but if they don't already have a dentist, um, they asked, they said, Hey, are you taking new patients? We'd like to become a patient at your office. And, um, it, yeah, it's, it's been a, a high percentage. If, you know, like I said, I, I do encourage them to go back to their dentist if they already have one, but of course I'm, you're not looking right. at taking patients from, of your colleagues, right. but the, the great thing folks is that once you've done the, the sleep apnea procedure and you have just saved their lives or really improved the quality of their lives, the level of confidence that that patient has in you, Dr. Stopper, is at an all-time high. So if you tell them, we need to crown all 32 teeth, I know you don't do that on a regular basis, but we need to crown all 32 teeth, they might say yes. But I mean, right? So they, 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 it's a great confidence builder. You're at, you're at the highest level of confidence and trust and caring with that patient. Um, you know, if, if you look in their mouth and say, oh, by the way, you had the sleep apnea, but you know... We got six teeth that are about ready to blow up here, and, and mm -hmm. they're probably going to listen to you, right? Oh yeah, it's it's a huge trust builder. I mean, like I said, it, even within a few weeks, patients can tell a huge difference in how they feel. And uh, one patient comes to mind. He he was diagnosed with sleep apnea years ago, um, but he couldn't wear his CPAP. Uh, it was just a constant problem. It was a battle for him. He said that at this point, it was just in the closet, and he he hadn't used it in years. Um, and he said every time that he would go to be like, he would wake up in the morning he, after tossing and turning all night, even the fitted sheet would be off the bed. Uh, so when he came back for his three week device check, um, he, he was sitting in the chair. I walked in the room and he just looked up at me. He said, you've changed my life. He said, I, I, have, I go to sleep. I lay down on my right side and I wake up on my right side. And then he just he just kept going on about he said he used to feel tired all the time. Now he has energy. He doesn't need to take a nap. He doesn't feel like he needs to take yeah. a nap. And yep, that's how you know, I felt. Yeah. yeah. It's and he so he was just thrilled. I mean, this was actually just uh, maybe a month ago that this happened that he came in and you know, he said, I he said, You the word needs to get out. The only he said, My only regret is that I didn't know about this 15 years ago. He said, I would have I wish I had known about this because I it could have made a huge difference in my life. And uh, he said, I want to help you get the word out. He said, What can I do to help? Um, and now he did, he did a radio ad for us. So he's telling nice. other people. <laughs> so, well, I mean, one more question. And I'd love to talk to you for days about this. Cause I am very personally passionate about this. Um, I have heard, and I'm not a dentist. I don't play one on TV, but I, I know enough to be dangerous that with the sleep appliance, there is the possibility of some TMJ or jaw issue. Talk a little bit about that. Cause I'm sure that some dentists are concerned about that. Sure. Yeah. And that, yeah, that is something I hear um, occasionally that people are worried about that. So, I mean, 
just like with with anything, there could there could be a risk of of some some TMJ complications. Um, usually, it's not a problem, and you know we try to overcome any of those more in a preventive way. Like I mentioned earlier, making them an appliance that they can wake up and put in in the morning to to get their job back into its normal position. Um, but you know, it, typically, it's nothing that would prevent them from wearing the appliance. We just have to be we have to watch them closely for the first, you know, six weeks or so just to see how the patient's doing. Part of that is just in our original exam and and checking the muscles, palpating the muscles, checking the joints, see what the baseline for the patient is. And if they're at a higher risk for maybe some joint issues, um, if at least if we're more aware of that ahead of time, then, um, you know, we can, we can be a little bit more careful, not as aggressive on, on adjusting their appliance. Um, so usually it's not a big issue and there's some things that we can little, you know, tips that we have, a, you know, our sleeve that we can, we can work with the patient on that, but it's, it's rare that that keeps someone from being a good candidate. Dr. Emily Stopper, you are golden. That is wonderful information. It's just great. And, and we want to help patients. That's what most dentists, most all dentists who I've talked to in 36 years say, I want to help my patients. I want them to be happy, healthy, and, you know, and, and this is a way uh, that, that you treat their total health, save their lives, and this is your your legacy when you're done with your dental career is going to be that you've helped directly hundreds, maybe thousands of people in your practice, but tens of thousands of people in other practices that you've saved indirectly their lives. So one more time, Please give out the website, your email, and your phone number. If anybody has any questions, uh, there's a lot. I'm on the website right now on my other screen. There's a lot of really good uh, good stuff on there, some complimentary videos, I believe, that they can download. Mm-hmm. So give, give out the phone number, uh, website, and your email address if sure, you want yeah. to contact her. Yeah. So, yeah, the phone number is 828-406-3596. Um, the Happy Dentist uh, is the website, so www.thehappydentist.com. Um, and I mentioned if you want to get on, uh, I do have a book coming out, uh, hopefully in the next couple of months, if you want to get on the waiting list for that too, it's just thehappydentist.com forward slash book. What's the name of the book? So it's still to be determined. I haven't oh. quite finished the the final the final parts of that yet, but that's okay. been a, that's been a fun that's been a fun journey too, just getting to to put all this down, you know, on paper. Well, I, I I wrote a book. 20 years ago called the art of finance. And it, it was a lot of fun and you'll get a lot of traction out of that and stuff. Uh, Dr. Stopper, hang on with me as I take us out of the podcast. Thank you so, so much for your great in, uh, expertise and folks give her a call. If it's, if it's something that you just say, not, nah, not interested. Okay. You got a little information today. If it's something that you're interested in, um, Dr. Stopper has been very, very kind and giving with her time today and, and information to me. So, Okay, so if you guys want to get a hold of me, I am at 657-279-3243. My email is awiederman, W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N, at idebailey, that's E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Send me an email, give me a call. uh, We are always taking new clients. Again, we work with over 800 dentists um, in our office in Tustin, about 300. And um, go to our website for our partner, Decisions in Dentistry, www.decisionsindentistry.com. If you want a complimentary consultation with an ADCPA member, put your name in. We'll get get you connected with those those guys. If it's in Southern California, it would be me. 
Um, and if you're looking for a dental CPA anywhere across the United States, it's www.adcpa.org. So um, again, I hope this information was helpful. I hope it is a call of action to you. And you've now got some tools and uh, opportunity to talk to somebody who's a national expert uh, on sleep dentistry in um, in your dental practice. So with that said, everyone, I hope everybody is getting ready to get back to life. I'm excited about it. Um, you know, you're, you're, we go back to the same five word phrase I've been using for a year and a half now. Failure is not an option. So, you know, work on your practice, not just in your practice. We've got lots of great, great topics coming up uh, in the future. We're going to be talking more about this employee retention tax credit. Again, if you have a less than 50, greater than 50% reduction in your revenues in the second quarter of 2020, there's an opportunity for you to get tens of thousand dollars of free money and full forgiveness of your loan. We can help you with that. Give me a call. With that said, folks, uh, thank you for the honor and privilege of your time. Please tell all your friends about our podcast. It's exploding. We get emails all the time. Uh, and with that, my name is Art Wiederman, and my podcast is The Art of Dental Finance and Management with Art Wiederman CPA. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to today's episode of The Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts so you never miss an episode. The Art of Dental Finance and Management Podcast is produced by Ide Bailey in partnership with Art Wiederman, CPA, Decisions in Dentistry Magazine, and the Academy of Dental CPAs. For audience questions and feedback, email Art Wiederman, awiederman at idebailey.com. That's A-W-I-E-D-E-R-M-A-N at E-I-D-E-B-A-I-L-L-Y.com. Or you may call Art at 657-279-3243.